right, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. I was on some ASMR vibe. You were on some, like, pep vibe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> welcome to Video Vampires. This is Mickey. And Jessica. And uh, I'm very excited about this episode. But uh, before we dive into our movie, um, did you see anything? No. I actually <laughs> had... I've been on, like, a movie hiatus, I feel like, because all the screeners released... And then there's not much out that I haven't seen, or that there's only one movie that I want to see in the theater, which is... Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, totally. That's like my number one choice for theater watching. It's um, 1917, and I feel like I have to see it in the theater. Heard good things. I don't want to believe it's good. It's good. Whenever... Well, Why? I don't know. It's you like, don't want to believe it's good? Why? Because of the hype? Yes. But uh, you've heard about the sequence. Like, it's just one insane long shot and that they had to anytime there was a mess up you have to start from the beginning and go all over again. yeah but you know it's like i think Par- uh, parasite was the best movie of the year no yeah absolutely which means it's gonna lose in 1917 yeah but i feel like it has to be viewed you just have to view i it. know i will Am like I- there's i haven't made my list yet and it's now we're almost into february and we've talked about this because yeah. there's still movies that i haven't seen yet and how can you make a list of the year Without seeing, like, some of its top movies. That's fair. My wife saw it. She said it was great. Um, I'm just a snob. I mean, like... I did see Bad Boys, though. Speaking of being snobby. <laughs> didn't, we, didn't we... I thought we talked about Bad Boys last did time. Did we talk about it last time? I don't think so. I think... Did I we talk about Bad Boys? Uh, I, I remember you saying it was exactly what... Bad Boys for life. I just... I can't believe it's good. it was going to be good. Oh, we did talk about this, because we were saying how, like... You were saying how you really want Will Smith to have... A good run. Comeback? Good comeback, yeah. Yeah, because of the shit that he's been doing. I, I, that's the only thing I have seen in the theater, so it must be fucking nothing. Oh, I think I talked about this last time, too, is The Grudge 2, which was... Yeah. Or The Grudge... Wait. The, the Grudge reboot. Yeah, which is awful. Yeah. I, um... Yeah, John Cho. Mm-hmm. Because we gotta look that up. Well, I've just been... I've just been watching TV. Yeah. Um, so I'm now catching up on, like... All of the TV that everyone has asked me to watch that I haven't just because it's fucking overwhelming. So I finally just watched Ozark, which I was finishing as you were coming in. Yeah. I had never watched it. It's one of those shows on Netflix that everyone was going insane about. And I completely was like, no, no, don't even want to get into it. Um, it's funny because I'm comparing it a little bit to The Outsider, um, which is interesting because it has like some of those parallels, especially with Jason Bateman and yeah. his acting and directing. Um the Outsider, they're, they're two different things, but you kind of see, like, the some of the scenes are just really great um, and scary. Yeah. And then, uh, so Ozark is great. Um, and then I started watching Shrill, which is another show on Hulu that everyone is like, oh, watch it. It's yeah. So, so current. Watch Shrill, season two, episode four. Our previous guest, Solomon Giorgio, wrote that episode. Oh, really? And it's actually, uh, it was really quite good. Um, um, I'm not all the way through it yet, but it is it is pretty great. Um, you know, it's totally entertaining. I yeah. haven't even watched much of horror. I don't even think much has come out yet, right? Well, I, I feel I'm like a, end of the month. I'm a little hurt because we, you and I, saw. I mean, this is not a new movie, but we definitely went to the theater and we saw Freaked. Oh yeah, I I forget because you know we've had some time off. Um, yeah, we did. We saw Freaked, which was, was awesome. awesome. Yeah, it, it was, was so cool. It was great. We went to the uh, <laughs> the I guess it was the um, the the release party for the vinyl that Mondo slash Death Waltz put out. And this was, like, one of the better screenings I think we've gone to just because, like, I mean, it was, they went out of their way to make it as fun as possible for, 
you know, going. I mean, like, they, you know, in the lobby, they had the animation artist, like, giving away pieces of the animation. Like, yeah. Um, they also, I mean, Alex Winter was there, who's the co-director. Uh, Tom Stern. Uh, Rollins was there. John Hawks yeah. was there. I mean, it was like... Catherine uh, Hardwick. Yeah. Paul Leary from the Puddle Surfers. It was oh, yeah. so, so much fun. The way they had it set up was Paul Leary would get up during the guitar. His, yeah. Yeah, and, and play live. So it was it was actually really intense. It was great. Um, it was like such a weird, intense um, thing, especially with all the musical scenes being played out before you. It was really... It was a really cool event um, that was like unexpectedly cooler than I could have thought. Yeah. It made me really happy to live in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Um, in, in LA, baby. Um, I saw Color Out of Space, which I know you saw at Beyond Fest. Um, I had never seen Freaked before, did you know that? I had only seen half of it. It's weird. Really? It wasn't a movie that I didn't, I, I always wanted to see it. And I yeah, never, always knew about it. Yeah, and every time I'd, wa- I'd start watching it, something would happen where I had to turn it off, so this was like the best fucking opportunity to just kind of sit there and be kind of forced to watch it. Yeah. Um, and it was great. And the soundtrack is awesome. Um, definitely check that out. Um, and, you know, buy it. It's on, it's on. Yeah, it's like silly and gross and yeah. funny. It's just great. It's a it's a great film. Oh, yeah. And the, and the soundtrack kicks ass, like Buttle Surfers. Um, Rollins is on there. Uh, a lot of great shit. Um, but it's all Colorado Space. Yeah, At finally. the Alamo. Yeah, finally. And, um. It's my favorite Lovecraft story, and um, it's one of those stories that, like, because I, I, this isn't the first time they've ever adapted that story, yeah. but I realized that, like, as long as you get certain things right, like, certain beats right, it's a hard story to fuck up, because it's really, it's really just built, in, like, the premise alone is so built in that it's like, it's great, you know, like, um, you've got a weird meteorite that crashes on this farm, it produces a color that uh, is not on any spectrum, which you can't do on film, but they do a good job of, like... Making um, it understandable. Yes, working around that. And then, um, you know, uh, one review said that people people were saying that, like, um, it's trying to outdo... Um, it's trying to out-crazy Mandy. I think That's they're... so annoying. Yeah. I, they're two different movies. People, you are so annoying. If you, <laughs> Like, honestly, I'm so sick of it. Like, we were, we were talking about this earlier about Nicolas Cage as an actor of Hole, and people are yeah. like, oh, he's being crazy again. And it's like, so fucking lame, dude. He's an actor. This yeah. is what he's doing. And in Color Out of Space, it's like mostly reserved until the end, which it's called for. This is a yeah. called for reaction, just like it was in Mandy. Exactly. <clears throat> and, and, and that's what I love about... Clara Space is like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I loved it. But I loved it because the ending was exactly what I needed. Like, I mean, that movie, I, I, I remember watching it being like, this is cool. I'm into it, but I'm not in love with it yet. Like, I'm like, the ending has got to be batshit crazy. And I don't want to give anything away. The ending is absolutely fucking insane. It's great. And it's worth seeing in the big screen. So if you get a chance, check it out. Um, <coughs> it's, it's one of, I think it's one of the best Lovecraft adaptations um, I've never seen. Um, another, in, 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 you know, like I was saying, there was another version of this story in the 80s that was called The Curse with Will Wheaton. Um, that movie's fucking rad, too. It's a great story, and it's, it, it adapts really well to screen, <coughs> surprisingly, given how hard Lovecraft is to, like, do. But yeah. it's a great story, and uh, I, I fucking loved it. I was glad I saw it. Um, I'm still... I ha- I, I've been meaning to rewatch it, because I've seen it at Beyond Fest, which is a while yeah. ago now, in September, October... Um, so I, I wanted to revisit it, but man, that, like, ending yeah. mashup 
if you want, if you will, is fucking great. And it's, like, disturbed me since I've seen it. Yes. It, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of the thing, you know, when you're just, like, so fucking grossed out by this thing. I love it. It makes my fingers tingle a little bit, you know, just thinking about it. And, you know, everybody in that movie is great. Like, um, you know, Nicolas Cage is great. Um, Jolie Richardson's great. The little kid from Haunting of Hill House. Oh, my God. he Because I, I talked about this yeah. when we did the episode, but he is so cute. And then in the Q&A, yeah. he was just fucking darling, yes. you know? like And Tommy they, Chong. Oh, yeah. Tommy Chong is always good. But this is not something I expected him to be so good in. You know what I mean? Really? Yes, he's definitely like... I feel like he played his... He played his part, but I mean, all I gotta say is the end. Towards the end, there's a part with his voice that is I found so fucking creepy and unsettling. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's fucked up. That's Tommy <coughs> Chong. Um, I, um, I, really, I really recommend it. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to pick it up when it comes out. That's like... That is going to be one of those movies where if someone's like, I've never seen that, be like, well, let's do it right now. And, like, yeah. like bring the projector screen down and, like, <laughs> you know, make have a fucking, a night Have a it. night. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I, honestly, that was the only thing I've seen in um, the past few weeks just because I've been on a movie boycott, too, where I'm just, like, I just don't have the energy to go see. There's literally nothing out right now that I care to see. Besides 1917. I would see that. And I will. I, I told my wife I'll go see it with her. But, like, there's... There's just nothing else. I mean, this is this next month and a half is going to be like kind of a rough. lull. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fantasy Island's coming out, which um, Hansel and Gretel looks I, looks I, really I creepy. Absolutely, yeah, I, I absolutely. That's actually I lied. That is the absolute. That is the one movie I do want to see. Um, it looks great. I love that story. I love the fact that they're doing Grimm's fairy tales the way it should be done. I'm really excited about that. But aside from that, I feel like we're kind of hitting a, a weird. Dry, uh, dry spot, you know, like I said, Fantasy Island's coming out, Bloomhouse is doing it, I just don't think it looks good. Yeah. Um, I just, it does not capture my imagination at all, um, but you never know. I mean, it could be, like, one of those movies that, like, people are like, you know what, it's actually pretty good, and then word of mouth happens, and then what do you know, it's fucking... Oh, you know what comes out soon, though, is The Lodge, which, um, is yes. another Beyond Fest, um, but that comes out in February. That is excellent. Yeah. That, that's on my list if I ever actually come out with it. Um, I keep forgetting that that's coming out, but yeah, it is coming out. It, it is coming out. There's there's some shit coming out, um, but it sucks because it doesn't suck, actually, because we live in L.A., so things get released so much earlier right. um, than the rest. So just like the three movies that we talked about I've already seen, which sounds so snobby, but it is like it's a low for, for some of us, and it's not for some other areas. Well, it's doing, I mean, they do their, <laughs> they're doing the festival rounds first. And then, yeah. So I didn't see it at Beyond Fest. I didn't see it, and obviously there was other festivals that played those both all those movies played but um yeah i mean the lodge looks great i'm not when i say it's a drive spell i just mean that like no no yeah there's like a few movies peppered in there that i'm like i need to see this movie but um you know for the most part eh, um it's really gonna be then i mean this is gonna be a great year for film i really believe that we're just not there yet, you know? Um, yeah, of course, it's early. We got some good stuff coming out, though. I mean, I'm very excited for 2020's films. Um, you know, uh, what, Bill and Ted 3. And actually, <laughs> that's actually... That's your life. No joke, that is actually the movie <laughs> I'm the most excited for, because I still remember seeing the second one in the theater. <laughs> and my mom, like, me, my best friend and I at the time, my childhood friend, we were in the theater, and we thought that we were by ourselves. But my uh-huh. par- my parents oh were my like God. three yeah. rows behind us, like kind of Spying, watching, us. Yeah, yeah, and like and watching us, thinking that we're like we're out in the town. It's just the two. It's just us two, <laughs> two dudes. dudes. Yeah, you know, see, Bill and Ted's books. So I, I've got some built-in like attachment to that franchise, and like 
Uh, I'm really excited about that. But also, um, you know, you got the new Wonder Woman, which I think it looks it looks like the one of the better DC movies. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw the previews for it. Yeah. I I I don't know. Really I think there's something tight. with Gal Gadot that I just don't like. Mm. Um, but I do, I liked Wonder Woman. It yeah. is the best out of all of the DC movies, Absolutely. although Henry Cavill as Superman is very attractive. I wish they kept him. I wish he was keeping that role. Mm. But anyway, he, he gave it up for The Witcher. Yeah, good on him, I guess. I, heard, I, I watched some of The Witcher, and I was like, this isn't bad, but like the reviews are like, fuck this show, and I'm like, Really? Because I didn't think it was awful. Yeah, some of the... You know why? It's because the timeline is hard to follow. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's it was a fucking video game. It was a book, and then a video No, game. it was a video game, then a book. What? Yeah, it was a video game first. That's bananas. It's not. That's how it is. All right, hey. I'm but, but, so it's, it's, it's sure. got, like, what, 30 or something years, 15 years yeah. in between it, and it's, like, really hard to distinguish. Huh. Um, but it is super enjoyable, and I feel like they could just take the criticisms and make, like, a really good season two. Yeah, they could just say, fuck all, y'all, and yeah. make, like, a show they want to make. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, yeah, so... So, yeah, TV, mostly. So, I, I agree with you. You said something, though, about living in L.A. I love living in L.A. I'm one of those assholes who, like loves this I love city. LA. I do. I do. I, I, I absolutely <laughs> love LA. Um I, I love the city. I, I get like like I think about moving and then I get like emotional I'm like yeah. oh god what if what if I'll miss what if I see a scene in this movie and I start like what if I'm watching Valley Girl and I start missing like Sherman Oaks, you know? Like weird <laughs> shit. But, like I get like I, I truly do love the city, but I think part of the reason why I love the city so much is because um you know, you have those people who are like, we live in New York, and fuck all y'all, New York's the center of the universe. I'm like, no, you live in New York now. You don't live in New York in the 70s and 80s, which is the New York that I would have, I would have given away oh, all of LA yeah. for that New York. Um, and, uh, you know, as, like, you know, Basket Case and, and Brain Damage and, like, a lot of, like, uh, 80s horror films, including yeah. Maniac. Yeah. The one we just watched. Which Maniac is great. It is It is one of those um, movies watching now that make you love that, New York. That grimy New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <clears throat> we had talked a little bit about this, about um, being in love with a city and, like, it's grime. You yeah. know, I think that's why I like downtown LA still so much because, you know, it's disgusting. Yeah. But this, like, oh, 70s, early 80s New York is just, like, unfucking touchable Everything about it just looks good. You know, the streets, the, you know, all the porn theaters. Like, Absolutely. it was cool fucking New York. And it was, like, a breeding pot of, like, serial killers. And, like, right. Crime and, like... You know, you had the son of Sam in, like, the 70s, like, late 70s. So you had, you had like, these big, like, profile serial yeah. killers. And, like, it is, it sounds so weird to, like, be excited about a murderer on the street. And, like, but it's cool. It's exciting, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it, and there's something, there is, like, I love that, the grime of 42nd Street. Yeah. Um, you know, by the time, I think, I mean, like, I the first time I went to, I, I visited New York was in, I want to say 88, 89. Mm-hmm. And even by then, like, they were already doing that big cleanup of, like, New York. So, like, um, it was still scary to me, but not in the way that I wanted to be. You know, not the way when I think about it now. I'm like, oh, I would have I would have loved the other scary, you know? like Yeah. Um, not the, oh, this is intimidating because it's so big and there's so many people and blah, blah, blah. I wanted, like, I love when I watch, like, you know, Maniac or Basket Case or a lot of the Hen and a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, man, that just that grimy, sleazy 
Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, man, just in this alleyway here, there's a doorway that leads into this club, and, like, all hell's breaking loose in there, you know? Like, in, um, yeah. in, in you know, brain damage or... Like, suburbia and, like, yeah. all those, like... You know, there's a lot of of cool... Still, even, you know, my, my time was late 90s, early 2000s. Right. You know, that was, like my time in New York, but <clears throat> I think um, New York is still cool, but I think yeah. like any major city now in, in 2020, yeah. um, it's just it's just gotten insane. Prices yeah. are high. People who lived their entire lives are these, in these cities are being pushed out of it, mm. um, you know, to make way for um, white people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, New York You is, know, like... <laughs> absolutely. Um, no offense. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, um, gentrification is very real in all. I, yeah. I lived in um, Brooklyn for a, sh- a very short stint of time, and uh, a few years ago, um, you know, when I lived there in the in the early 2000s, um, my downstairs, the guy who hung outside my apartment building was this crackhead named Uncle Leon, who would alternate between, <laughs> he would alternate between threatening me and then telling me he was going to look out for me. And he would do it all in one sentence, and it was terrifying. So I was like 19 years old, and I was scared shitless. And, um, and then, uh, you know, a few years ago, I was in New York working an event with a coworker, uh, a former coworker of ours, and we went to Brooklyn to, like, uh-huh. go record shopping. And we're looking around, we're, at one, we're in one neighborhood, and I was like, oh, my God, we're in my old neighborhood. But it looked completely different, you yeah. know. And it was just like, man, like I used to get freaked out, like leaving that, leaving the apartment, and be like, okay, I'm gonna walk into the train station, <laughs> walk into the subway, go to my job in Manhattan, and um, I was freaked out. And I was, you know, when I was there with my my buddy, and maybe it's because I'm older as well, but I was like, oh, this this is like doesn't feel scary at all, dangerous like, anymore. Yeah. yeah, and I, I kind of was like, that's a little sad that there was it lost some character. Yeah, I know. There's. A lot of stuff is not there anymore. It's, like, yeah. one of those places where you're like, oh, this, I remember. Like, I had gone for a work trip a few years ago, and um, I had gotten there late, but, like, not too late. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to walk around. Like, I, I kind of remember around here, and I was just like, it's weird how much it changed, but, like, some things are still the same. Yeah. Um, Red Bamboo is still there, baby, holding on strong. <laughs> um, you know, you you people know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I thought about going to CBGB's just to, like, see, because apparently in John Varvatos, there's, like, a piece of the wall that's left, and sure. it's super lame, but I I thought about it, and then I was like, it's that's too depressing enough to where they're like, mm, we're going to charge, like, yeah. $150 CBGB yeah. shirts, and you can buy it here. Here's a piece of the wall. It's just like, blah. Yeah. Blah. Fuck, Fuck that noise. Um, but this movie is... It's, it's, a great time capsule. It's a great time capsule, but it's also, like, not too dated where you're yeah. like, oh, I can't find any relevance in this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quick backstory. Uh, uh, Joe Spinell, who... Oh, yeah. Who is, like, uh, he was in Godfather 1, Godfather 2. He's, he's in, in Cruising. He's in Cruising. He's in Sorcerer. He's in Taxi Driver. He is the guy who hires De Niro in the beginning of the movie when De Niro's, like, he's interviewing De Niro, and De Niro tries to, like, crack a joke. He's like, look, man, are you going to give me a hard time? I got a lot of guys up, you know, I, you know <laughs> and you're like, that's Joe Spinell. And, yeah. and, and he had come up with the story, and he um, partnered up with William Lustig, who was a, a first-time d- real director, um, uh, who was a kid. That's William, not his, this, this isn't his first movie, is it? Uh, officially, yes. Oh, he worked, okay. He worked on some, por- I mean, he was this kid who, like, his his uncle, William Lustig's uncle is uh, Jake LaMotta, or, you know, Raging Bull. Yeah. And oh, um, yeah. he, you know, he just had this passion for film, and, um... 
he was wor- he was working on he worked a lot on other films as like you know various positions and he, he became friends with Joe Spinell and every time like a horror movie would come out and this is all an interview that's great that he does with Mick Garris where he talks about this but like they would sit there and they talk about the movie afterwards and be like oh, I could we could have done better than that we could have done this and they're like why don't we uh-huh. so they they you know Joe Spinell came up with the story and, and they made this fucking movie and it's it, Joe Spinell plays this guy Frank Zito who is uh, clearly uh, traumatized and abused by his mother. Uh, unfortunately, he decides to, to channel that into, um, you <laughs> to know, murdering, murdering specifically women. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he kills a few guys. But yeah, they but they're like in the way. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're not more, like. Yeah, they're not. The, they're not the goal. They're 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 the obstacle. Uh, and he scalps them, and then he puts their scalps on mannequins. Scalps them. He scalps them. Um, Pretty horrific. It is pretty horrific. It's also, so it, it does this thing where it layers the sound. So there's a yeah. music scene, and then there's a the background, and then he, there his breathing, and his breathing is constant. His and his moaning. And it really freaks me the fuck out. That is terrifying. And this is like, this was not a big budget movie. I think they there's trivia if you look on IMDb, and they talk about how they came up with the budget for the movie, what the original budget was, which is very little. Yeah. Um, and they made a really great, terrifying horror movie with a very low budget. And yeah. it's little things like that that really are scary. Like, uh, well, Black Christmas does that, you know, yes. similar. It's just, it's something so small that, like, creates this thing in the back of your neck that you're like, ugh. Right. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, it's obviously not the first, but it, I I, no, I definitely. But think it does it well. Yeah, it does it well. But I also think it is one of the first of its kind where it was like you know really kind of going okay, we're gonna play, we're gonna go, we're gonna tell the story from the point of view of the murderer. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, a few years later, I think the I I honestly think the best of all of these movies that like this type of movie is definitely Henry. Uh, yeah. But I Henry's like, more serious. This is more like. It's serious, but it, I feel like it has a different tone. Like, Henry really makes me uncomfortable with myself. Yes, yes. Henry, well, and Henry's more of, like, it's more of, like, it's not, there's no, there's no, um, flash or any sort yeah. of pizzazz. It's more of, like, this is happening, it's in your face, whatever. Whereas Maniac, I think, and a part of this is because they get, you know, they got, Tom they, Savini. they got the wonderful Tom Savini to do some of, like, these these horrific gore effects, like the scalping. Dude, that gunshot scene that we talked about, um, because uh, it's a story about Gene Siskel seeing that in the theater and then completely walking out, and it's so early in the film film that you're, like, not even close to the rest of the horror. Right. But that scene is so good. It's just, oh, I love everything about it. The way he jumps up, it's, like, slow motion, and then the gunshot so fast, and it just explodes all over the car. It's fucking great. I what love it, the build-up to that, too, where, yeah. like, you know, Tom Sweeney's, like, yeah. you know, him and his mustache are in the back seat with this lady, and they're, um, he's, like, they're getting it on. She sees off, like, in between his legs, she sees, like, Frank Zito just staring out, staring at them through the uh, by the car window, and she's, like, freaked out, and she's, like, well, you know, whatever, and she's, like, and she sees him again, and Tom Sweeney and his mustache are finally, like, all right, fine. I guess I'll drive you home. You know, I mean, whatever. So they get in the front seat. He looks up, and there he is, right at you know, and that's when he jumps up, and boom, and it's just like this great buildup. Yeah. Um, that really gets me. And there's also another great, and I, I said this to you when we were watching this. Cause yeah. It's. I know this is an exploitation film. It was made to be an exploitation film, but there is um, a brilliant sequence where you know uh, this this girl, this woman, um, she's. Um, you know she she she's got a weird vibe 
about Frank Zito across the street. So she start, she <laughs> starts staring at her. Yeah, you so know? she immediately starts running, which I think was a great idea. I, I, I would run too. Unfortunately, she makes a few bad decisions as to where she's running to or where she's going. But anyway, she ends up in a, a bathroom in the met, in the subway, and uh, it's this great sequence of him, like you know, it, you've seen it before in movies where like you know the killers like looking in each stall and everything like that, and they just they go up. Oh, this door's closed. We're just gonna. I guess no one's in there, you know, and they turn around and walk away and then, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the way they shot that with her breathing and her, like, and the close-ups of her freaking out and then her slowly walking out of the bathroom stall and making her way to the sink and realizing that nothing's going to happen to her. And then she kind of has that, like, ha ah, moment of relief, kind of laughs to herself, goes to wash her face, lifts her head up, and he's right behind her. And I'm like, this is actually a really well-done sequence, like... If you, you know, I, yeah. I would hold it up to a lot of other classier quote unquote movies and be like, look, I, I don't think you're going to top this, how suspenseful this moment is. Um, that's just my opinion, but I, I really think that there's, it, it gets overlooked because it's such an exploitation film because it's yeah. so gruesome. It, a lot of its brilliance gets overlooked. In- I agree that that scene is really great. The pacing is, yes. you know, she's. You know, when you're cautious, but you're, like, not sure, and you're still walking so slowly to the sink, and then it's, like, oh. Okay. <laughs> and no, it's it's great. Yeah, yeah, you're, like, all right, all right, I'm going to calm down now. Like, I'm going to wash, I'm going to put some water on my face, and then to look up, it's just, oh. Yeah, it's brutal. And, um, I mean, there, look, there, what was great about Maniac, too, is that, uh, or, you know, as well, is that, like, there's, um, there's some moments that you're just, like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why are these women just, like... One character, she just comes into her apartment, leaves the door unlocked, gets... Yeah. Also, the girl, uh, what's her name? The photographer. Anna. He straight up shows up at her house. How did he find it? In the yeah. yellow pages? Yeah. Like, you couldn't have been like, where'd you look me up? The yellow pages? <laughs> yeah. Like, why did she think it was okay that he was there? My argument for that is that she's probably, like, you know, and I, I, this isn't, I hope this doesn't come off as offensive or anything, but I, <laughs> I think for somebody who just leaves her bag in, in the park that has her <laughs> that ID. That made me her, mad, too. That has her ID on, in, on the bag and that everything like that. going to get stolen, lady. Yeah, she's kind of a fucking idiot. So, like, I'm sure when he just shows up at her door, she's like, ah, okay. Yeah, like, you know? I feel like she was one of those characters that her fake background should have been like, I just moved to New York. I have no idea. You know? Which is, I'm new to the big city. Which is why when she, like, when she kind of, like, fights back, I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, this is the one that fights back? None of the other women fight back, but this one actually fight the one who's a complete and total fucking moron. Who's yeah. Like, you know, who's clearly charmed by this, like, weirdo yeah. dude that shows up in her house unannounced. Yeah, and, and, and that's one of the things I do like about Joe Spinell in this. And, and I'll, you can you can tell because he puts, <clears throat> he came up with this thing, so he put everything into it. Yeah, he's really convincing. He straddles a really fine line of like, there are legit moments where you're like, oh man, what a shitty childhood he had. And then there's moments where you're like, fucking garbage human being, you know? Like, I think, I think it does a good, he does a good job of making you feel sympathy, but at the same time being like, Ugh, you know, like you're also a fucking monster who scalps women, and you know. I wonder how cathartic it is to play these type of maniacs to like just get all your crazy out because there's a lot of crazy in this character. Yes, like talking to yourself and moaning and yelling and not oh, yelling God, yeah. and like being charming. It's like I really think he did a great job. Like everything about him in this is convincing. Right. I mean, aside from the whole, like, how did you get my address? Like, why did you just show up in my place, you creeper? He does do a good job of being, like, kind of, like, 
kind of charming. You yeah, know? like all of a sudden he's got a little normalcy in him. And, and he's, I mean, and I again, I love Joe Spinell. He's not conventionally, actually, there's no way, there's no nice way to say it. Joe Spinell was an ugly looking dude. But he looks like, and you just said he was ugly, but I was going to say he looks like that era of New York. <laughs> like, everyone kind of had like this weird gross mustache, they had those big glasses. I feel like they, he looks like half my uncles, you they, know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, like, it's just really fucking weird. Um, yeah, but like he's, he does such a fucking fantastic job of this. And, um, you know, and, and, it's great because, like, you know, for the longest time, he was that actor who was, like, he was kind of, like, kind of a Harry Dean Stanton where he's always playing the supporting roles. But he stood out, you know? But yeah. he was never... And then this was the... This was... Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this for I myself. I don't know why this is so poorly reviewed. Um, I... Because... Here's the thing. Is that, I mean, there's the gruesome parts of the time. And I think that turns people off. I really... I find with horror, like, I find, like, it If... When someone, a reviewer, goes into a, a theater and they know they're going to see a horror movie, I feel like they've already got their their um, ideas about, ideas of, yeah. And, and that's a shame. And I think that one of the reasons why horror does get so poorly reviewed is because when it's done well, it does. It makes you kind of like, it makes you question certain things about yourself. Like, you know, it it, it shows you, you know, a darker side of, of reality. And I think people are freaked out by that. I feel like people are like, oh, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Like... You know, and, and, you know, I had a, I had a relative of mine who was like, <clears throat> so she's like, I don't understand why you love horror movies. Like, I've had so much traumatic experiences that, like, I don't need to be scared. And I was like, well, it's funny because I feel like I've had traumatic experiences and I feel like this helps me. Well, get- if anything, we've learned about traveling around the world is that horror specifically is a, is like a mirror image of yes. humanity's fears and, yes. and our areas you know, fears and war and, and everything. And it's also art and it's also, like I said, cathartic yeah. to, to get all of that out and to be frightened and, and in escapism. It's it's a different type of therapy. And I don't think people like to... I, don't, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who don't like to, to, to think about that or like to confront yeah. that, you know? And like, and I, that's what I think is so interesting. So yes, I do, I do see that... I do I agree. Maniac is poorly reviewed outside of like horror fans, but... It is a fucking great horror film. It's extreme. It's brutal. I think there are some moments. I mean, there are some moments that are very tame, especially considering some of the other stuff we've watched. You know, like uh, yeah, angst. You know, yeah. Which some of the it, yes. you know, everything comes back to that sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, I think angst uh, was after me. So after I, yeah, eighty three, eighty two, eighty three. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I mean, I definitely feel like you know people are they don't like that. You know, I mean, you were talking about some some Japanese horror films were commenting on you know the the bomb you know and yeah and, and like this destruction that happened and like people don't want to deal with that you know so they're like oh no it's a horror movie fuck that and i'm not saying that like i'm not saying every horror movie is a piece of art and you know <laughs> um trust me there's there's plenty there aren't but i mean i'm just saying that like i think horror what makes horror so appealing is that it does force us to confront certain things about reality about the world about ourselves like, I watched this, and I'm just like, like I said, the fact that I went, the fact that, if, like, a few moments ago I just said, I think he straddles a great line of being sympathetic and horrifying, what does that say about me, that I can be like, oh, man, you know, like, I, there's parts of me that empathize with him, and there's parts of me that are terrified of him. What does it say about, I like that. I like being, watching these movies and get him questioning that. Yeah. Some people don't. Gene Siskel clearly did not. <laughs> he wanted nothing to do with that part of it. <laughs> I, and I, I said this to you right afterwards. I can't get over this, because I read about this a few days ago, where I was like, Gene Siskel gave 
This movie, four out of four stars, and the movie was, and I, and I do love this movie, but not <laughs> not in the same way that Gene Siskel did, with John Carpenter's Vampires. He put that on his best of the year list, and he oh, thought no. James Woods deserved an Oscar nomination. Now, <laughs> all of the reasons why I like Vampires is the exact opposite. I feel the exact opposite. It's I, not a gr- not his greatest. No, it's not. We it's talked not. about this, I but... Do, but I do love it. But there's it, and there's some great moments in that. But fucking Gene Siskel, what an idiot. That's so weird. Yeah. That's so weird that he didn't even finish this, but, like, right. vampires. Right. Exactly. You know, and, like, I, I think that the further away from reality, like, it's like, uh, well, you know, there's that famous story about Wes Craven walking out of Reservoir Dogs during the ear scene. And and Tarantino being like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, Last, Last House, House on the, on the Left. left. And, and But it, I think that's interesting. I don't think Wes Also, Cra- yeah, it changes right. depending on, like, I have a really hard time with, like, rape scenes, too. Sure. But, like gratuitous violence, I'm like, yeah. And, and Wes Craven, what he, I think what he had said, to, you know, or it's, he kind of or, you know, explained it, where he's like, I didn't walk out because it was a bad movie. I walked out because I couldn't take it. You know, yeah. I couldn't take that moment. And it's like, you know, it's when the closer it is to reality, the, the, the more harder, the more difficult it is to stomach. And um, I think Maniac brings <clears throat> that out in, in, uh, in a lot. And I think that's, I think it's kind of, it's, it's, it's charm, you know, um, is that it's so sleazy and so gross, but yet so like, Real, you know? Yeah. Um, William Lustig would go on to, uh, after Maniac, he would make a movie called Vigilante. Uh, then he would make... Um, oh, Maniac Cop. He would make, well, you do Relentless, then he do yeah. three Maniac Cop movies. Maniac Cop, yeah. he worked I've, with I've never Larry seen Cohen. two or three. Uh, I've only seen bits and pieces of two. I have not been able to sit through all three. I didn't know he did all of them. I Yeah, I, and I really like Maniac Cop. Isn't think, a Refn... Redoing Maniac Refn Cop? is doing it as a mini-series, or as a series Interesting. now. Interesting. Uh, I think, believe on HBO or some cable network. I think if anyone could do it, it's him. Well, yeah, Refn loves, I mean, this is right up his alley, you know? Like, 80s yeah. sleaze is right up yeah. his alley. Uh, Maniac Cop was, uh, was written by Larry Cohen, the great Larry Cohen who wrote Q, and God Told Me To, and It's Alive, and um, so many movies, Bone, and like... I mean, he was the stuff. I mean, for you know, uh, but I, so I really think I always love the idea that like the guy who made Maniac and the guy who wrote like all these wrote and directed all these great um, you know exploitation films came together and made Maniac Cop. <laughs> um, Joe Spinell really, 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 really wanted to make Maniac too, mm-hmm. but William Lustig was just like, uh, I'm not, I, I don't want to do it. I, yeah, I, you know, I'm just the movie made its money back. They. Um, and they actually did it, it turned a profit, which was really tough because the advertising, the marketing campaign was like, oh yeah, with the you know, and it, it, you'll see it on a lot of posters and a lot of the covers of of the 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 guy holding the absurd knife and holding the woman's scalp in his other hand, bloody scalp. That was very controversial at the time. They couldn't market it in a lot of places because of that, um, but it had a great life on Forty Second Street, you know, and. As most exploitation films did. Um, I don't know if this is true or not because I got it from the internet, but one of the early marketing campaigns they said was to set up those little like peep shows of like yeah. some of the scenes in here um, around the city, like in front of theaters, and uh, apparently that backfired real bad. <laughs> and I'll I was bet. like, yo, that, oh my God, imagine like happening on that, like in the street and thinking it's like some fucking weird snuff film or something. Like, that is incredible. Like, that is the marketing I want today. Yeah. But, unfortunately, that, especially in today's totally society, too, that's you. not going to happen. I totally agree with you. I miss the days of, market, like, of creative, clever marketing. Like, I 
Look, yeah. If you're if you make a movie and you're being like, hey, we're giving out barf bags, uh, and for the, to the audience, I'm sold already. If you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna make people sign like like insurance uh, forms, you know, before they see your movie, I'm in. I love this gimmicky marketing. I think it's fucking great, um, and it's it's show, it's showmanship, which it is lost. really is. Um, um, and there was also a remake of this, um, what, 2012, yes. 2013? Yes, I wish I'd never seen you have. I have. I don't hate it. It's nowhere... <sighs> this movie has a feel. Yeah. It's, like, grimy, and and the other movie is not, in a way. Like, it's still really gross and scary. Yeah. Um, Elijah Wood is in it. It has the same base story, you know, this, this guy's a killer, but he's, like... He's not disturbed like Frank is in the movie. He's a little more like reserved, disturbed like I have no, no one understands me type sure. of disturbing rather than like mommy right. did some shit to me and I'm put fucking... cigarettes out on my chest and yeah. locked in the closet. Yeah, in my child mannequin dress. <laughs> oh. Uh, but yeah, and it's the same story. He, he finds a woman who's like also into mannequins or something, and yeah, he cool, yeah. wants to have a relationship, but he's also a murderer, you know? Um, it's not bad. It just doesn't have that, like. Well, I heard that they, what they did in that movie, and you might, because you've seen it, you might, you might be able to correct me, is that for a lot, for the, at least the beginning of the movie, or for a good chunk of the movie, you never, it's all done from his point of view. So you don't see, like, literally his point of view. Like, so the only time you see his face is in a mirror. And then I heard they abandoned that halfway through because it's like how long? How long? A little more, yeah, than halfway through. I can't really remember because I I saw it once it first came out and that was it. I just saw it that once and I was like, yeah, it's okay. Uh, I don't hate it. And then I was like, "Mm, that's gonna put in the back of my mind forever. Um, I don't remember it being that long to where I was like, oh, this all of a sudden is weird that he has like a a normal side, but. Um, it would make sense, obviously, if they were trying to portray, you know, like, Frank has a charming part in here when he's taking her out to dinner. Yeah. This is his charming part where he's removed from the killer aspect and put into a, a human aspect. So let's show him. Let's let yeah. the camera away. And show. Yeah. It's just, I thought it was, I remember when I first read about it, I was like, that's an interesting premise that you net, like, you're, the whole movie is told from the eyes of the killer, so you're just, you're seeing what he sees. Um, and, but, you know, and then I heard, like I said, I heard that they kind of, give up on the idea at some point in the movie, and I was like, ah, that kind of takes that away. Uh, but then again, I do love, uh, I really, we were talking about this earlier, I think Elijah Wood's fantastic. Yeah, he's so fun. Yeah. Spectre Vision. Yeah, and I think um, that was actually he did one of Spectre color, Vision's. Uh, yeah, Color Out of Space. He did. And, um, and, well, he's in Come to Daddy, which is great. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that worth knowing is that William Lustig uh, did retire from making films. He started the um, company Blue Underground, which, uh, you know, he's he, William Lustig's a huge fan of uh, Italian horror. Um, again, I, I, I don't want to advertise. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, check out Mick Garris' uh, post-mortem podcast because he does an episode with William Lustig where there's just so much... It's just listening to the guy talk. The guy loves film. And he's... He, when you th- when you watch this movie and you listen to him, you're like, oh, it's just like, such a juxtaposition of like, here's a guy who loves all these different types of films and, you know, he also wrote and directed, or directed Maniac. Yeah. Um, but he started Blue Underground. They've restored a lot of great um, horror films. Um, and he also was able to restore his own stuff, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, what we watch is the 4K restoration of Maniac, which, again, this is the, you know, there's there's a part of me that thinks about these movies, you know, like Basket Case um, and this. And, um, you know, um a lot of other, like, real sleazy 80s horror, 70s horror, 80s horror that have, uh, somebody has gotten a hold of them 
and has like lovingly like restored them and like treated these movies just as if they were like any other high profile film. Yeah. You know, like I, I really think Arrow Video is a criterion for for horror and sci fi, and I think Blue Underground the same thing. I've uh, when we watched Death Dream, the mm-hmm. um, that awesome Bob Clark movie, same thing. His company, yeah, uh, William Lusk's company. And uh, we just talked about Cinelicious, yeah, because they did the 4K uh, restoration of Funeral Parade of Roses, which I talked about in our Japan episode too. Yeah. Um, which is it looks it does look incredible, and we got to see. We, you were with me right when we saw Suspiria uh, oh, yeah. at Egyptian in 4K, which honestly, the difference is like astounding, yeah. like. I want everyone to look with their eyeballs yeah. <laughs> and, like, how great these movies look. And, like you said, how much care is being put into them. Even Maniac, you yeah. know? Yeah, and that's what... And, that, and I do love that. And, and it, it is really great to, to watch these movies have a second life. Um, I mean, nothing compares to watching on, like, grimy, grimy video, you know? But um, with, like, you know, tracking problems and, like, you know, fu- I, all that. I love that, you know? But uh, I, I really... I just... I do love the fact that Maniac... Somebody, you know, even if it was the director himself, was like, yeah. somebody's got to do it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and and it's a great, it's a great DVD. There's a lot of cool shit on there, but it just, the movie looks awesome. And it really does show New York in all of its, like, sleeves. Yeah, gross know? glory. Oh, I love it. I, I really, that's what, that, that's what, so that kind of ties back to what I, was, like, how I was, what I was trying to say, too, is like, I love living in L.A. L, I, I'm, I'm in love with L.A., but if New York was was even a fraction of that, I right would, now, I'd, yeah. I'd be clamoring to go back east because, uh, you know, uh, that's just something that... It is easy to romanticize about a time yes. that we weren't in, yes. but, like, uh, just looking at it, it's just, like, what my eyeballs want to see. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, like, <laughs> people like Frank Zito could afford to live in New York, in Manhattan, you know, or, or yeah. in New York. Uh, now, you don't get, you know, you don't get Frank Zitos anymore. They're on the, they're in, you know... No, it's, like, unheard of. Like... Yeah. Uh, there's some old New York still, like, when I, it's funny, because, as you know, especially anyone in L.A., the rent is just astronomical in any city that you're in right. now, um, but my friend is one of those, like, old school, like, her, uh, she came in, like, 20 years ago, uh, the guy on the building, he died, but his daughter takes over, and she still pays the same rent, and what she's paying for, like, a fucking two-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn is is a thousand dollars, right? That's that, the same. And she's like, and she's never given me um um an increase. It's just been that since I moved in. She's never like moving he, out. yeah, and like they treat me like family. I'm like fuck you, dude. You're like one of the last left. You know, there's like no places like that anymore. No. And you hear people of like uh, like all of a sudden you have this like old woman who's lived in a hundred dollar um closet in Manhattan, but it's never been updated. It's just, like, you find all those weird stories, but, like, man, old New York really doesn't exist anymore. Well, I think it was because it was, you know, there were so many people there, and you could, it was, you know, people could at least, maybe not afford it well, but they could still afford to live there. Um, yeah. It had, it had all these different characters. And it was with that with that comes good, and with that comes bad. And yeah. I mean, with that comes like, the bad is serial killers. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and, and look, so, and let's be fair, models who don't Lock their door when they come home. Yeah, man. That's ridiculous. You walk in the door, you close it, lock. I mean, I say that, but I have definitely walked into my apartment. My mm. wife browsed. You went me. to the goat guy's yeah, house. I did. I did. I did do that. I am. I am the dumb. I am the dumb victim. But um, 
But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's some there's definitely some like what the fuck are you doing moments in Maniac? But whatever, you know, I'm gonna let it go. I mean, if we sat there and we broke down, I would I would be so you were like, how does he find out where Rita lives? You know, if there was a scene where he was going through the phone book, I'd be like, ugh, fucking next. I like the fact that he just shows up and it's like Rita, Rita, yeah, yeah, Rita, Rita, yeah. Uh, Rita, blonde Rita, yeah. Um, <laughs> just like Terminator, goes showing up to every Sarah Connor house. Yeah, which actually yeah, like... now that kind of that, that's a brilliant <laughs> moment. Um, that is kind of brilliant. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend if you haven't seen Maniac or if you haven't seen it in a long time because it had been. Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably been like twenty years since I've seen this. Yeah, it'd been a long, long time. Um, I picked this up a little while ago and I rewatched it. I was like, God damn, I forgot it's, how good it is. It's great. Yeah. Um, so definitely check it out, and, um, yeah. Yeah, that's our Maniac episode. Stay tuned for more Maniacs. Yeah, definitely. Next time. Bye. Maniac, you can lock your doors. Can't lock the madman out of your mind. out of you.